Good morning, everyone. As Nathan already said, <laughs> uh, we want to welcome you here this morning. My name is Jordan. I'm part of the team here at Faith, and uh, we're glad you're here. Happy February. We made it. <laughs> uh, I was saying to someone the other day how resilient we are as Canadians. We can have like wet, dry, hot, cold, rain, snow, sun, darkness, all in the course of a day or like in the course of an hour, really. <laughs> um, but I think God likes to just show off his creativity around here and his in the nature. <laughs> but again, welcome this morning. Um, yeah, I'm excited to be sharing with you this morning. The worship team led us so beautifully in worship this morning, and we're just going to continue on to that and seeing what God has to say to us through his word. Uh, but I was kind of this morning we were in big debate because it was around this time. We were like, was it two years ago or three years ago? Some of you may not have been here, but the big beams you see above us, two years ago, I think we settled on two years, uh, they kind of, the structure was not so hot anymore, and then we had to vacate <laughs> uh, for a couple of months. So it was around this Sunday, two years ago, that we uh, headed head over to Spatz Theater, and we did church there for a couple of months. But um, it's just kind of funny to look back uh, where we've come from, and I'm sure some of people in this room when I said that, you get like heart palpitations because you remember how awful that renovation was, but good, but good as well. <laughs> um, and it brought us here and it made us be able to have these chairs and versatility in this room and it's just really great. Uh, but this morning we're coming off of Pastor Glenn's uh, sermon on prayer and we kind of looked as a church on why we pray, we looked about how we pray, and then last week we really kind of put that into action and we spent some time as a church and we fasted and then we broke bread together and we had communion and it was awesome. And I think I have decided that, uh, it's only happened twice, but I have decided that one of my favorite things to do as a church is when we rework this room and have a meal together. It's awesome. It is. It's great. And there's a few reasons. Uh, one of them is obviously good free food. <laughs> um, but the other reason, or reason number two, is we can do that because so many people took an interest two years ago and lifted their fingers and helped with that big old renovation that kind of really ushered us into having chairs in here so we can do something like that. And reason number three why I love that is, you know, on the day that we're having the meal, everyone is just kind of going every which direction, and Curtis is pointing them, like, do this, do that, or lift that, lift that, and, like, everyone just kind of comes together, and they make it happen. They clear the chairs away, and they put the tables together, and it's awesome, and I think that's my favorite part. I like the meal. I like talking with other people, but watching, like, all these separate people come together and accomplish a task that, you know, benefits everybody it's a beautiful chaos. So if you missed last week, I'm so sorry, but we'll do it again. <laughs> um, but this morning, I'm going to read from Galatians 6, if you want to turn there. Um, it's a portion of a letter written by Paul, and it kind of reinforces the necessity and purpose of, just like I said, people coming together, helping each other, and, you know, showing a bit of kindness. So um, Galatians 6, 1 to 10, if you want, you can stand with me as we read that. Um, and yeah, I'm going to start in verse number 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burden, and in, the, in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. 
Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, let you give it to us as a guide. Um, and I just pray that you bless us this morning and speak through me. And uh, I just pray that this would be a beneficial morning to all of us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. So you can have a seat. So there's a few. Diff- there's a lot in that. That was kind of heavy. There's a lot. And we're not going to go into all of that. <laughs> just going to pick a few little things out of that. And the first one is carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So I have been away for a, long, like a couple of weeks. Uh, I had a few people approach me last week and say, did you run away? No, I did not, but I had some people to see, some places to go, <laughs> and I'm back, so I'm good. But I spent a week uh, in California, and I was with a few fr- friends, and we enjoyed the sun, we met some Disney characters, and I met my match in the form of a mountain that I had to climb. And <laughs> whenever I preach, I, or like open or close a service, I tend to like, relate whatever I heard to a story in my life. It's just kind of something I do and I can't help it. Like when I'm living my life, I see things in like object lessons or illustrations. And I have ever since I'm little. I don't, I just, that's how I see it. So when I'm with friends and something kind of less than ideal happens, they kind of sometimes certain friends will roll their eyes and be like, oh, I wonder what she's going to do with this one. (laughs) And most recently, Um, I was at the base of a mountain, grumbling that I probably wouldn't be able to climb it uh, when I heard, come on, just think of the sermon. (laughs) And that's how they got me up the mountain. (laughs) But here it is. There was, something did happen that I want to share with you. (laughs) Um, But we were in this park. It was called, it's a national park, Joshua Tree National Park. And it's a beautiful place, but we only had one day there. So we kind of wanted to maximize our time and fit as much as we possibly could into a day. So we had planned to do three hikes. Two of them I would like to call regular people hikes and, (laughs) yeah, manageable hikes. And the last one was a torture hike. (laughs) And now the regular people hikes were um, at the beginning. So during the day, I was trying to prolong these hikes um, the best I could, trying to postpone getting to the awful hike um, so that it would be too dark for us to be able to do it. And I was almost successful. I had almost convinced them that we needed to watch the sunset from a driving uh, trail. (laughs) Almost. But then I was unsuccessful about sucking the zeal out of my friends, and we began our ascent of this horrible mountain. And I started out at the back of the pack, and I began to fall behind. (laughs) And my friends suggested I take the lead and set the pace. And in my stubbornness and my pride, I refused because I did not want to be the one that had to go to the front because she was slow. So onward we went, and as we escalated, so did my breathing and my panting and my inability to keep up. So finally I let my pride take a hit and I led the pack. And so onward we went, and every step we kind of started going a little bit slower, and there came points where I'd like rest my hands on my hips, like the universal sign of like, get me out of here, I'm done. (laughs) And I got more winded and it became a joke anytime I like started resting my hands like, oh, we got 15 seconds, guys. We're going to have to take a break. <laughs> and it would trickle behind all of my friends. But eventually, I got offers to, like, take my pack. And then I got the, like, pity, oh, let's stop and look at the scenery. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then eventually, like, the words of affirmation came, you know, you can do it. We're almost there. We're almost to the top. 
which was very false because that mountain had like 17 false peaks. <laughs> you thought you were at the top and you were not at the top. Uh, but no matter what they needed to do to help me, we were going to get to the top of that mountain for that beautiful sunset that we were promised. And we did. We made it. We eventually made it. And so we enjoyed it. It was kind of cold and windy, but like, we made it, yay. And <laughs> on our way down, I led again. And I was just like zooming down that mountain as if that was something to be proud of, because <laughs> it's a lot easier to go down than up, but I was still proud. <laughs> and on our way down, halfway down, we met a man who was traveling alone. And he was on his way up, and he was like trying to make it to the top for the sunset. And we kind of told him, ah, there's, you have quite a ways to go. You're probably not going to make it up for the sunset. And he mentioned like he had gotten distracted throughout the day and he wasn't with any friends and he just kind of kept pushing off uh, getting to this mountain. And then we kind of said, well, this is a nice view. And he said, well, you know what, this will have to do. And then we kept going down the mountain and he stayed there and he enjoyed um, the sunset from where he was, but not the top of the mountain. But today I want to talk to you about something, about surrounding yourself with people who are going to make your load lighter uh, and being that person for everyone else around you. And I want to talk about how like alone, um, the ascent, it kind of seems overwhelming, uh, so much so that we may not even try. And without people surrounding us and supporting us, we have the tendency to kind of get off track on our pursuits. This morning, I want to encourage you to bear the burdens of one another and assure you that if you bring others alongside you in this journey, uh, it'll be easier to not grow weary. So if we look at this passage, there's a few seemingly kind of clear and then some tricky things to understand. But I wanted to talk just for a minute, this line, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So I usually drop jump over the parts I don't understand, but this time I looked into it. <laughs> it's the fulfill the law of Christ. And, you know, what does that mean? I don't want to spend too much time on this, um, but I do think that sometimes we get a little weird when uh, what we believe turns into kind of laws and regulations, and then we get, we kind of don't want to do it anymore when it seems like what we believe, there's a whole lot of rules and regulations, there's a whole lot of no's and not a lot of yeses uh, for what we want to do. Uh, you know, we, we love the Lord, and we're so thankful for what he's done for us. Um, but when it, comes to, when it comes to reading between the lines, there's actually a lot of fine print that we kind of got to look into. Um, so we had this law in the Old Testament, and it was Moses' law, and it seemed kind of harsh and stringent and a little scary at some points. And then we say, okay, Jesus came, and those crazy rules don't necessarily apply anymore. They kind of do in, like, a different way. And yet here we all are Paul commanding that we carry each other's burdens to fulfill the law of Christ. So the difference between the law then and the law of Christ is, of course, Christ, but uh, the law of Moses, it couldn't, you know, like, it couldn't change our hearts so we could freely obey. It was a law and you had to obey it, but our internal, like, brokenness and selfishness and deceitful predispositions, they weren't conquered by Moses, but when Christ commands us to obey his law, he's, he's actually working in us, and he's, he's helping us with our pride and our stubbornness and our selfishness. He's empowering us through his spirit to fulfill his law. So, so we're, we're no longer asked to obey these crazy things with only ourselves to try to stick with it. No, actually, he is working in us to change our hearts, and then we kind of get to a point where we kind of want to do what he wants us to do. <laughs> And we talked about this at Evensong a little bit, and we read from Ezekiel 36. I'm just going to shortly read um, 
I will plant a new heart and new spirit inside of you. I will take out your stubborn, stony heart and form in you a willing, tender heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit inside you and inspire you to live by my statutes and follow my laws. So the spirit of God is in you. He's taking a new, giving you a new heart and giving it form. And thus he's shaping us into the kind of people who love to do the will of God. And so what actually happens when the spirit is within you, you begin to love the idea of the straight and narrow. It doesn't seem as hard to, you know, help the poor or help the sick, whatever it may be, because the Lord is forming himself within us, taking shape, kind of stretching himself out into all of our heart, our minds, our bodies. And it makes doing his law or his will more of a beautiful thing than a, than a oh, that's something I just got to do. It's a transformation of the heart and so I just wanted to go over that, just all that being said, to remind us that these commands that come from the Lord um, with all those promises, the promise that you have is that you never have to do it alone. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So carrying others' burdens can mean a few different things, and I think it does mean a few different things in this passage, and we're going to talk about a couple of them. But firstly, I want to talk about what I believe Paul is calling us to bear the burdens of pain of others. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. It's hard to stay heaven-focused when we're pummeled by all these worldly afflictions, like... Sometimes the world is just so much going on and it seems like something's coming at you left and right all the time and you just can't win. And we struggle sometimes with how to deal with what goes on in our lives. And, and so the goal is to, you know, not allow the burdens of this life to unsteady our hearts and our minds from the Lord. But Paul is suggesting in Galatians that one way to do that is to bear one another's burdens. Not just be worried about your own. You know, when, when, it, when someone staggers, we help steady the load. When, when someone is straining, we help bear the burden. We step in there, and if he stumbles, we lift him up. We don't let him be crushed. We don't let them be destroyed. And we certainly don't want to increase people's burdens. We want to make them lighter for people. And it doesn't really matter what each of us do on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, sometimes we can be like, oh, well, their job, they're working in charity. That's, that's their job. Or, you know, it doesn't matter if we're, you know, a stay-at-home mom taking after your kids or a businessman in the corporate world or if you're a student or if you're a grandparent. I think Jesus calls us to make it our business each of us, to make it our business to, you know, develop an extraordinary skill for detecting burdens, seeing them, looking for them of others, and devoting ourselves daily to making them lighter. You know, often we see people carrying, where we see us carrying other people's burdens as kind of like an extra task on our daily lives, like, oh, if we have time for that, or um, if that is kind of convenient for me, and I'm definitely guilty of that myself. But the more I dug into this scripture, the more I started to believe that helping others isn't an add-on to the Christian life, but it's actually essential to the gospel. And, you know, our culture today, it, it kind of makes it a little hard. <laughs> 
Um, our, cost, or our culture kind of fosters um, self-absorption a little bit. It's all about me and like what can I do for me or advance me. And, you know, we, we find comfort in doing what we want and, um, you know, communicating behind text messages because it's too hard to make a call or go see someone. Or, you know, we even feel like when we're like scrolling through a page that we're connecting with people, but we're not actually, we're, we're learning information about their lives, but we're not engaging with their life. And, you know, sometimes thinking that, like, liking someone's post is, is good enough for their cry for help. You like it, you acknowledge it's there, but you don't step in. And, you know, we're a culture of convenience and self-service. Not all of us, of course, but in general, we like to serve ourselves. And so the concept of bearing each other's burdens becomes even harder. And if we use, you know, Jesus as our example of bearing burdens in a selfless love, we see that really nothing about the way Jesus lived really comes naturally to us, especially in the world we live in today. Like, we are, you know, we're called to strive to be like him. He loved sacrificially. He loved in a way that had, like, a better hope and a better vision for others than it did himself. But now, like, we see that and we're like, well, that's easier said than done. Like, are you looking what I'm dealing with around me here? <laughs> um, but I think we have instructions, nevertheless, to try to be like that. We have to bear each other's burdens. So carrying the burden of pain. And then I think Paul is also talking about carrying the burden of sin of your friends around you. Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. We are called to bear the burdens of others' sin. You know, Paul says in this passage, you who are spiritual. It's not saying, like, you who are perfect without sin, you holy, holy person, you who have it all together. No, he's actually saying is, Okay, you who is walking and being led by the Spirit, or like you who is broken in the need of God yourself, you step in. You know, pride and selfishness, I think we talked about it a little bit before, but it also steps in here. And, you know, we don't want to own what we struggle with. We have a hard time doing that, and we don't want to let others in on that. Because this is a two-way street, right? Uh, bearing the burdens of others, but allowing them to bear the burden of yourself. Um, but when we see our brokenness and our own inadequacy, we are more inclined to move into someone else's brokenness and help them carry their burden. A person restoring their friend, it isn't someone coming in and saying, okay, uh, you're doing this wrong and I'm doing this right, so you should model your life after me. What he's actually saying, or what we actually should be saying is, I have my own sin, I know it's hard to bear, let me help you. You know, restoring means making things right. And I heard someone say once, and I love analogies, so I'm going to say it, um, that sin is a breakdown of machinery It's in one's life. It it's needs to be fixed by God. God is the mechanic who can fix it. He's the one who can restore the breakdown. But sometimes people need to lift the mechanic. <laughs> and that's what we're called to be, come alongside them and get them there. Uh, there are people in this room, you know, you see the hope of Jesus, you want the hope of Jesus for your life, um, but you're kind of in a chokehold of your former self or your former, former sources of pleasure, entertainment, and comfort, and it's, it's hard to let that go when you're on your own. But we are called to shoulder the burden. So we're 
to bear each other's burden of pain and of sin. And I don't think it's by chance that the call to bearing one another's burdens is in the same passage where there's an encouragement to not grow weary. In in verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You know, there's a key to all of this functioning, the bearing the burdens, the not growing weary. And I kind of thought of it the other day. A friend of mine is studying anatomy and physiology, and she came to me with a question about the heart. And I don't remember anything about science, but I tried to help her the best I could and remembering how the heart works. So if this is wrong and you know it's wrong, just let me have it. <laughs> um, but she asked me how the heart works. And from what I could kind of remember is that, like, the veins bring non-oxygenated blood into the lungs, and then pump it through the four chambers of the heart, and then it goes out through the arteries, I think. <laughs> but I remembered that the, the input source and the output source was different. And God breathes life into us, and then he continues to work in us, so we have the resource to output to others. Matthew eleven twenty-eight thirty. 30, I already read this, but I'm going to read it again. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The chamber by which the blood comes in and comes out are separate. In order for us to be able to bear the burdens of each other, we can't rely on each other for our sources of strength. That comes from God, but ends up being amplified when we bring it to others around us. But because our source and our output are different, we can be sustained. So when we are yoked to him, learning from him, um, and, and being used by him and guided by him, we have strength to offer others. So bear the burdens of one another. Pick them up when they're down. Help them turn right when they're wrong. And do not grow weary. And as I usually find myself ending messages, I want to take a look for a couple minutes into Jesus exemplifying all of this and use him as our example in his life. And, you know, we have many examples of Jesus stepping into other people's lives. The, the Gospels are littered with them. Um, but anytime I'm reading from the Gospels, you know, what I can't help but what stands out to me is the recount of Jesus' death and the happenings before and after and during. And anytime I read that, my heart is really moved at how beautiful it is. The encounters with the disciples, the encounters he has with random people, the criminals beside him, the conversations he has with the Lord, it all works together and shows us a lot. And even just to think, reading over it yesterday, I was thinking of Simon. He's just in one or two lines, and a seemingly random man who was ordered to take up the cross with Jesus because he couldn't bear it alone. And Jesus, you know, God in the flesh, needed someone to come alongside him and help carry his load. So how is it that sometimes we think that we don't need that? You know, there's, there's not much on this exchange. This is just kind of like a sidebar between God and this, this man, Simon. But I wonder what happened with Simon after bearing the cross of Jesus. You know, like, was he a follower of Jesus before or was he after? I don't know. Did he feel the weight of what was to come? Did, did bearing the burden of someone who was about to bear the burden of the whole world, did that change him? We may not know, but I have to guess what it did, and just in the same that I think that us bearing the burdens of one another does. 
And, you know, before that happens, before Jesus uh, begins his walk to his death, he spends some time with his father. And we read this in Mark 14, and I'll get the guys to come back up. Mark 14 says, Jesus and his followers went to a place called Gethsemane. He said to them, sit here while I pray. Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be very sad and troubled. He said to them, my heart is full of sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and watch. After walking a little farther away from them, Jesus fell to the ground and prayed that, if possible, he would not have this time of suffering. He prayed, Father, you can do all things. Take this cup of suffering, but do what you want, not what I want. So before Jesus is crucified, he's in the garden and he's praying to his Father. You know, he knows what, to, what is about to come. He knows what tomorrow holds you know, he even says, my, like, he, he feels the weight of it. My soul is so sorrowful, even to death. He's already feeling the weight of it, and then he falls to the ground, it says. That's a powerful picture that, you know, Jesus, the, the one who we know and, you know, we hold as our rock and our provider, our steadfast, our constant, he falls to the ground and asks that if it's possible, may this hour, this cup, this task, this call, may that pass. You know, he's, he's saying, Lord, I am, I'm tired, I am weary, I have done all that you have asked me to do up until this point, and it's heavy, and I feel it, but Lord, take it from me, because I know you can. But in the next breath, says, but not my will, yours be done. You know, this is Jesus looking at the Father Lord, I hurt so bad right now. This is a lot. I don't know if I can bear it. And I think a lot of us in this room have been there ourselves. You know, we hurt, we hurt bad inside, and we can't seem to do anything to lift that weight or get rid of that pain, or, or we're trying to, you know, do good or follow God's plan. But every step further that you go into it, the harder it gets, the more things seemingly get stripped away, and the loss seems to be greater. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to feel this anymore. That's where Jesus was at. Jesus was weary. And I don't think the Bible means when it says, do not grow weary, let, I don't think it means you won't grow weary. Because you will. <laughs> but what I think it means is when you grow weary, do not give up. Jesus didn't give up. You know, he asked his father three times, take this away from me. Is this the only way? But the cup was not taken because the plan was not fulfilled. So Jesus goes to the cross in his weariness and he bears it. And he died for me. He died for you. And, you know, God sends him to the cross. It's another task, even in his weariness, but that task, the one right after his exhaustion almost canceled him out, was the one that saved the entire world. God says, no, no, sorry, I'm still sending you so that you will bear the burdens of others so that they may be saved. So my encouragement to all of us this morning is do not grow weary in caring for each other. Do not grow weary in pulling friends back when they've lost their way. Do not grow weary in mourning with those who mourn. Do not grow weary in giving to the poor. And do not grow weary in putting in the extra load while others take a minute to catch their breath. 
Jesus grew weary, but he still bore the burden. While we're not asked nor physically capable to take up, capable to take on all the sin or the pain and shame of the world, as Jesus did, he set a beautiful example of doing whatever it takes, no matter the cost to ourselves. So this morning, church, let's be an honest and transparent church and let's walk alongside the burden. Let's ask for help when we ourselves have a burden too heavy to bear. And let's not let selfishness and pride stop us from what God has called us to do for each other of bearing one another's burdens. I'm going to pray this morning and then the band will take it over for our main set of worship. And just while you're worshiping this morning, just ask God to be your source, to fill you up and encourage you in the pursuit of carrying the burdens for others. So God, we thank you this morning. We thank you that you are our source. We thank you that you have told us we do not have to carry burdens alone, that you are with us, you are guiding us, you are strengthening us. And I pray that this morning, God, you would just give us the courage and the energy to bear the burdens of one another. I pray that we would be a church who sees the burdens of one another and seeks after how we can help them, God. Give us the strength to do so, God. We love you. We thank you. We are in awe of what you have done for us, God, by bearing our sin and our shame and our brokenness so that we could live in victory with you, God. So we thank you this morning. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.